she's got me in like gin and makes me frisky like whiskey. <laughs> He's a guy who loves to run, but he says lifting weights is just as fun. With 20 pounds down, he's made his way to Muscle Town. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Feeling very exposed. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Life Well Spent with Garrett and Amber. I'm Garrett. I'm Amber. Ace is in the room. Gilly left. She can't make up her mind whether she wants to be with us or not. Place is a mess, but we're here. Yep. How y'all doing? Hopefully you're good. Yeah. And, you know, by the time this comes out, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Right after I said, how y'all doing? I was kind of expecting you to just be silent <laughs> just to make me realize how stupid it was to <laughs> ask. No, I got you. Okay, thank you for supporting me. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you're a supportive partner. How are you doing, honey? Uh, I'm doing real well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm at, it's been a great day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some work done. Um, spent way too much time at the UPS office. Oh, yeah. And for we got, sure. We got an early kid break. Well... Too early for a kid break. Let's just say kid dog. Cash. He's got a big old smile on his face. What you need, buddy? What's up, bud? Uh, paper. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? We are going to pause so we can find some paper. And we're back. <laughs> we talked about just scrapping that intro, but we liked it. Yeah. We thought that was a fun intro, Gotta so we're going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Just keeping the early kid break. But uh, yeah, no, spent a ton of time at the... UPS uh, store today because mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to ship things apparently but uh, <laughs> uh, drove around a little bit in like what five degree weather yeah something and, uh, if that I don't know got home and vowed to not go out again so mm-hmm. just stayed inside and uh, yeah it's been nice how about you I'm really great honey I have not showered I've been mm. in my pajamas all day and laying around so I'm great the only reason I showered is because I came in from the cold. I'm like, I've got to warm up. Yeah. So yeah, I took a super long shower <laughs> and like maybe use soap. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just about getting warm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, so uh, what you been into this week? Well, so I've been watching quite a bit of Netflix, I feel like. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The Sinner, I've been watching that recently. I'm like, I don't know how many, three or four episodes in, I think. That's a weird one where like I come into bed at night and you're watching it. And it's just, it's a weird vibe. It, to oh, it totally is. Too. Yeah. Um, I think I realized that I need to stop watching that right before bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one, It's such a good show, though. I mean, I watched the original just Sinner with Jessica Biel. There was no the? No, I, oh. I think it was just Sinner. And then this one Cleaner is the that Sinner. Way. Cleaner that way. Right? I know. So uh, it's Justin Timberlake. But yeah, this one's no. super interesting. It's basically about this guy who all of a sudden, like his past kind of catches up to him and it mm-hmm. starts to reveal weird stuff that he's into. And like he, he kind of, so he's a, a teacher at a high school. He has a wife and he just had a baby. Mm. Uh, kind of lives in the suburbs, like whatever typical middle class guy right Mm -hmm. and then an old buddy an old college friend comes around and all of a sudden there's like tension between them kind of a what the hell are you doing here sort of thing um and it just kind of reveals secrets that he's really kind of into i don't remember what they call it but it's basically like you're only living to die is kind of his mindset and so Mm. he does everything he can to feel alive so or to face death kind of so he'll do things like standing on the edge of a building and um you know have thoughts of jumping off or just Mm -hmm. getting that sense of like adrenaline rush 
um, because that's him facing death or almost stepping out in front of a bus or, you know, and so little things like that to possibly bring harm on others um, has been uh, yeah, super interesting. So it's a really good show. And then, of course, today I watched uh, Framing Britney Spears, which everyone's been kind of talking about recently. So right. that was uh, real interesting to to watch that documentary and kind of get my eyes open a little bit to the free Britney movement, um, which was, yeah, I mean, you watched it a little bit with me. Yeah, I caught the, end, the end of it, and I knew just like a, a <clears throat> tiny bit about the free Britney Spears movement. And, you know, honestly, I, I knew so little that uh, just with her history mm-hmm. of anxiety and mental illness, you know, my, my natural uninformed thought process was, well, she should probably have a conservatorship, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so maybe I thought like, ah, maybe the fans are just kind of going a little overboard or something. But I mean, it was, it was a fascinating documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it definitely had a point of view it wanted to get across, but it presented it really well. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, on the opposite side of what I just said, like, Britney Spears, they talked about like how her career really, it had a, the, there was a, a new Britney sense, mm-hmm. you know, uh, back in the late 2010s. Um, and of course it, it appears that her, her dad is hanging on to that conservatorship for dear life because mm-hmm. Britney is a, forgive the term, a cash cow. So I could definitely understand maybe somebody, uh, I mean, that's not a new story in entertainment, a, a talented individual, especially a talented woman, mm-hmm. you know, being taken advantage of for, right. you know, for their talent for, for money purposes. So, yeah, it was great. I mean, what I saw was uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never listened to the podcast that was referenced in the show. They had the host on there. But, yeah, uh, that was really interesting. That was super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it definitely kind of shed more light on kind of what she had possibly gone through, you know, during her, her tough times. What mm-hmm. was that? 10, 12 years ago, something like that. Like 2007, yeah. eight, yeah. I can't remember, but, uh, right. you know, I feel like a lot of people can grow within that amount of time and, sure. you know, yeah. Seeing the stuff they brought up, you know, the things that she's posted on Instagram and how weird it was. And so then the fans started realizing like, well, maybe these are signs. Maybe she's trying to and basically I, ask for help. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of what I heard about was like Britney Spears secretly sending her fans signs, which mm-hmm. it all sounded kind of conspiracy theory ish right. to me. But I mean, who knows with, with some of the legal documents that uh, they found mm-hmm. uh, an anonymous caller that claims to have been part of, um, I believe the legal representation under Britney Spears mm-hmm. conservatorship. Uh, it was really, yeah, really opened you up to the possibility of, uh, you know, Britney not being in a, in an okay position. And, uh, yeah, fascinating that once you're under conservatorship, it is incredibly hard to get out from under it. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really, wow. That yeah. seems, that seems ridiculous. It really that is. That if somebody can show that they are a functioning adult mm-hmm. human being, then the court should automatically be like, oh yeah, no, like conservatorship is dissolved or right. I don't know what that process is, but that is the rational, that, that's the rational path for me. Right. Cause I mean, she's obviously not yeah. mentally unwell anymore. So let's just dissolve and let her handle her own stuff. I mean, cause don't they kind of do that with like, um, uh, 
people in, in jail, they can kind of have this meeting that basically says like, basically have you, you know, learned your lesson? Like what, probation. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But that they can get out of jail earlier. Oh, if they, yeah. If they basically yeah, um, say like, oh, um, I've learned a lot and I've, you know, I wouldn't make that choice again. And I What really is that read. called? Gosh. But they do it all the time. Our friend Matt, who's an attorney, get at us. <laughs> what is that called? Uh, 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 balls. Darn but you it, think if nuts. they can do that with people that are in jail, why can't they do this with somebody that has a conservatorship? Yeah. I mean. <sighs> it's kind of the same sort of thing. You if, know what I mean? If, yeah. And if you follow the money, everybody's getting paid from this conservatorship, including the people that are maintaining this conservatorship. Mm-hmm. So it is not financially beneficial to them to have a review say every two years mm-hmm. to check in hey Brittany, are you okay like how's your mental health and they she talks right. to a psychologist that only benefits the person that is the conservative maybe mm-hmm. um not everybody else where the money is is coming around again i just learned the bare minimum of what a conservatorship is right. two hours ago so mm-hmm. um the little that I found out was extremely fascinating and it does seem like a, a system that needs addressing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember seeing like, who knows if this is actually true or not, but um, there were some videos of this woman who basically takes in like anonymous uh, stories that people send her and kind of like reenact them sort of. So mm. she'd say, you know, she's like, she plays the part of a, an assistant to a celebrity <clears throat> and she kind of tells a story of, you know, like, Oh, you know, it's me doing your hair. And, um, then this said celebrity, uh, gets to know me and wants to like go for coffee. And then somebody comes in and, and says like, yeah, she'll takes me aside, says, you know, don't get close to her. She's not allowed to do this and that. Um, mm. but then she's like, but then she just wants a friend. Cause then she comes back in. She's like, Hey, you know, I remembered it was like your daughter's birthday. And so I got her a gift and she's like, you know, you could just t- see that this person is like crying for help or like friendship and like yeah. nobody's letting her have it. And so they kind of insinuate that it's Britney Spears. So who knows if these are actually, you know, true or not. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, if it is, it's really sad that, you know, you go through, you get brought up at a very young age to go through this terrible, like being sur- surrounded by the paparazzi all mm-hmm. the time. Like mm-hmm. that has to do a lot to your mental health anyways, to yeah. deal with all that. And um, just the craziness of being a celebrity. But then any little thing that you do is criticized. Like they would go into different like interviews and she's probably like fresh in her twenties. And this guy interviewer says like, Oh, you know what we're going to talk about today? And she's like, I do. What is it? And he's like, your breasts, everyone keeps talking about your breasts. And she just kind of laughs. And, and it Ugh. was little things like that, that everybody would bring up to her. And I'm like, geez, like yeah. what the hell? I would say the nineties are awful, but I'm sure that stuff still happens all the time. And that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. It's like, why are we focusing on mm-hmm. that? You know, and granted, mm-hmm. hopefully we've, we've come quite a ways with the Me Too movement and, right. you know, brought a lot of that up to the light. But yeah, it's just sad to think about that, you know, all this stuff could, you know, make anybody go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Not she is, but, you know. And of course, it's easy to say, oh, well, she, she was making millions of dollars in her, you know, uh, late teens, early 20s, you know, what does she have to complain about? But even that, like, that doesn't make a healthy person mm-hmm. having all that money coming in. So uh, on one side, yeah, you've got incredible wealth and uh, adoration from fans. But then on the other side, yeah, there's people that, uh, you know, are, are treating you with disrespect and you've got to put on a smile and be, you know, the all-American Britney Spears that everybody loves. 
So yeah, it just seems to be a, a recipe for just a a person that would have a tough time mm-hmm. later on in life. Yeah, um, which clearly she has had a real yeah, hard time, yeah, and you know, getting her kids taken away, and yeah, yeah. you know, I I can only imagine like her just wanting to be a mom and be with her kids, and then someone saying like, "Oh, sorry, you're not mentally stable because you shaved your head and." made this big old debacle and made her out to be possibly this person that she wasn't, you know? Um, so yeah, just sad. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, hopefully everything ends well and, you know, hopefully down the line she can kind of tell her side of the story and, you know, yeah, good, good, happy life. Yeah. seems wild that she isn't telling her story right now, but I'm sure that's maybe legally she can't or she's got people around her that won't let her. Yeah, I know at the end of that uh, New York Times movie or mm-hmm. whatever they created that uh, they they didn't say that Britney Spears declined to comment or be interviewed. They said that we have no way of knowing if Britney Spears received our invitation to mm-hmm. speak. Right. Which, again, that could be kind of them portraying this... this uh, narrative they want to portray of, of Brittany not being in control of her life. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you needed to, they did a well enough job. I don't think they needed to put that in there. I think that was genuine that they, you know, gave it to somebody, gave it to Brittany's representation, whoever that may be, maybe mm-hmm. po- multiple parties and they just never heard back. So yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You and really so don't. they could absolutely be, uh, you know, not letting that stuff go through. All right, early kid breaks this time, guys. We will be right back. Thanks for waiting for that millisecond, everybody. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) We got Cash's marker, so he's all set. Yeah, but what have you been into this week, honey? So something I've been into, which I've actually been kind of pleased about, kind of excited about, and Mm -hmm. everybody get ready to just... Fast forward because I I feel like this is going to be a little Garrett nerdy niche but... uh, Niche, not Nietzsche. The never mind. Um, so there is a comic book series that I started reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got the Marvel Unlimited app. Um, basically, any Marvel comics that are released after six months from the release date, then they get put on a Marvel Unlimited. Got this huge catalog of comic books. So um, I haven't had a ton of time to read them, but I've gotten through a few issues. And this series is a lot of fun. It's called Hellions. Mm. Um, and it is about this team of X-Men that, uh, that are, I'd like, it's, it's, it's not fair to paint them as like the bad boys. They're not like X-Force. They genuinely have major mental, emotional issues. Okay. Um, and, uh, for example, one guy, uh, is a, a character named Empath. Mm-hmm. And I know very little about the X-Men. I know like the basics, you know, yeah. the, the Fox universe stuff. The main yeah, people. So mm-hmm. Anytime I try to dig into X-Men comics, like I kind of get lost and I get frustrated and then I get straight, you know, straight back to the Avengers or Spider-Man stuff mm-hmm. that I, I know and it doesn't take too much to piece together. But uh, this series has actually been really great. Uh, so one of the characters, Empath, uh, it's interesting because he... When he was very young, he apparently, like, usually the mutant gene kicks in uh, in your teen years when you hit puberty. Mm-hmm. Apparently, empath, his powers hit when he was much younger, and he was able to control and manipulate people's emotions. Interesting. Okay. So, from a young age, he 
never got in trouble because if somebody was upset with him, he would manipulate their emotions. So wow. nothing was the forbidden for this kid. Ultimate manipulator. Yes. So he kind of grows up to be a sociopath. Mm-hmm. He, uh, when we meet him in the comics, um, he's making these three characters fight. Uh, one of them has uh, uh, like feline powers and they're fighting the other two girls. And he says like a, a character, another X-Man runs up and like goes, dude, that's, that's not okay. Like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, it's a cat fight. Get it? Oh my it's like gosh. knock it off and he's like relax and enjoy the show manipulates him and he starts cheering cheering him on um so he's he's wow. like yeah um and a little more backstory into where the x-men are now i'm gonna try not to get too deep on this but uh the x-men are on this uh i believe it's a living planet called krakoa okay and for years basically since the x-men started they are trying to find a place to call their own where you know humans aren't uh, attacking them mm-hmm. you know just a place of, of peace and solace and that's krakoa okay um and a rule on krakoa is they are inviting all mutants hmm. good and bad so empath uh he was a young child when uh the mutant gene kicked in and they're arguing that this mutant gene turned him into a sociopath so how can you punish someone hmm. where basically this mutant gene cause them to to, to not have a moral compass right there's another guy uh i've got all the uh got all the names here i wanted to read them out because they're really nope it's on my phone <coughs> it's on my phone guys sorry it's on my phone hold on they're really cool characters like i've really been enjoying them Good. uh so there's a havoc mm-hmm. who is uh cyclops's brother Okay. Um, he's actually pretty well balanced, but something happened in the field where he almost killed a uh, anti-mutant uh, terrorist. Oh, wow. Uh, so now he's on this team. Like, they're kind of trying to figure out what's wrong with him. That's kind of a mystery at the hor- at the uh, center of this comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Orphan Maker, which appears to be like the sentience of a young child in this big robot body. Um, and uh, Orphan Maker has a... Uh, well, there's this character named Nanny, who is this small egg-like robot that watches after <laughs> Orphan Maker, and it's awesome. They've got a cute relationship. Like uh, Orphan Maker is is beating up a bunch of people because they they said that he can't see his nanny and he misses his nanny, and then they finally bring in Nanny, and she's oh like, my "Oh, gosh. sweetie, oh it's, oh, it's the best." <laughs> uh, Wild Child is a mutant who has this uncontrollable like uh, uh, lupine mm-hmm. mutant thing. So he he's like Wolverine. But he's more animal than human. Okay. Um, oh, and uh, Psylocke uh, gets put in to uh, lead the group, mm-hmm. be the team leader in the field. And uh, Olivia Munn played her in, oh. in the, one of the mediocre X-Men films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's she's dope. There's <clears throat> Empath and there's uh, Grey Crow, mm-hmm. um, who was actually a member of the Marauders. Mm-hmm. Um, Marauders was like a subset of mutants that were uh, controlled by Mr. Sinister. And as you can imagine, Mr. Sinister is a bad guy, but he is on Krakoa because all mutants are welcome. And right. he is part of like this kind of big council that looks over uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. And he is hilarious in this comic is book. He? He's oh the best. Like he's written so well. He's so tongue in cheek and quippy. Oh my not, gosh. Not quippy in a bad way. He's just, 
I don't know. Uh, he's fantastic. A great sense of humor. Like uh, when I heard that John Hamm was potentially going to play him. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. Like in the New Mutants, uh, mm-hmm. they were talking about maybe the sequel leading to it. And John Hamm was like that casting would have been stellar with the way they're writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grey Crow. Or I'm sorry, Mr. Sinister. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's just these these characters that are the missions they're getting sent out to are basically the guidelines. The parameters for the missions are no humans will be around because they don't want to kill anybody. Right. Um, but the idea with the mission is that damage and death are permissible because that will happen with this group. They are hmm. not socially, you know, the, the, this ain't your daddy's X-Men, <laughs> but it's better than that because it, it deals with, you know, they're, they're, you know, mental illnesses, not too much, but just enough. Okay. Like it doesn't feel gimmicky. It feels deeper than just like a badass X-Force sort of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Not to crap on X-Force. I've heard they're really good comics. Just X-Force is a bad name. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun so far. Uh, one of the first villains they face off against is a clone of Jean Grey that I had oh, no idea existed. Yeah. Um, and a reason I really prefer Marvel Comics over DC, DC is great, mm-hmm. but Marvel Comics, at the beginning of each comic, they uh, excuse me, they have a synopsis of kind of what's happened in the previous books mm-hmm. to key you in on what's going on. Because I believe one of Stan Lee's beliefs was, you know, if somebody's picking up a comic for the first time, we want them to be able to understand what's going on. Right. Because there's spe- a lot of comics oh, out especially there. Especially with X-Men, that mm-hmm. helps a ton. And I mean, even going back like in the 80s, there was some weird sci-fi intergalactic shit going on. Like mm-hmm. Marvel gets deep into their lore, but that it's like two, three paragraphs always helps. Why was I thinking that um, um, X-Men was DC? I don't know, babe. Why, is it? It's always been Marvel. Always been Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you sure? It's always been Marvel. <laughs> Honey, I think... I, th- I think... Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, that one's been a, a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm kind of getting caught up on that one. I think it first started getting published uh, 2019 maybe. Okay. Yeah. So. Very fun. Relatively new one. But uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't had a ton of time just with work to read comics. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice when you're able to then. Yeah. And and we get our reading done in the morning. I'm still reading Mistborn, which is really good. Yeah. It's really getting good. And uh, I'm almost done with start with why kind of the the business mm-hmm. line of book and that one's really great too I'm reading two awesome books uh, i want to hop into the second one in the mistborn trilogy but i also kind of want to start reading the stand mm. and we'll talk about we'll talk about the stand later too that's yeah. gonna be spoiler territory mm-hmm. but we should get into the meat yes. and taters <laughs> of this episode of our assignments so i asked you to do something that I'm going to remember unless you just want to say it. Marsha P. Johnson is yes. what, who you gave me. Yes, yes. Stonewall, baby. So originally, I the name, I was like, I don't remember this name at all. But then I, I looked her up online, saw her picture, and was like, oh, they did like a documentary on Netflix. So I was able to watch that, uh, which is very cool. Um, I think it's called The Life and Death of Marsha, P., or Marsha Johnson on Netflix. Mm. So if anybody wants to check it out or if you have already... Um, but yeah, to kind of give you some some background here, uh, <clears throat> Marsha was actually born Malcolm Michaels Jr. Uh, of in August of 1945, 
and was an American gay liberation activist and self-identified drag queen mm. known as an outspoken advocate for gay rights. Uh, Marsha was very loved, outgoing, caring, happy, funny, courageous, like, and uh, apparently kind of a, a celebrity in a way. She was a, a model for Andy Warhol for one of his projects, which was really cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I guess around the age of five, um, Marsha began to dress as a girl. Her desire for tr- traditional feminine clothing quickly drew to reprimand from her father um, and and mother, I guess. Um, she moved to New York's Greenwich Village. Greenwich. Greenwich? I believe it's pronounced Greenwich. Never been to New York, but I don't think there's a place called Greenwich. Greenwich. Oh, I could go for a Greenwich right now with like That's exactly how a spicy it's spicy meat. Yeah, it is. It is for Greenwich. sure. Greenwich. Yep, Greenwich Village. Just spell it right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Greenwich, not Greenwich. Okay. Um, so she basically had, they said, $15 in a bag of clothes. So she was homeless. Mm. She had turned to prostitution to survive and soon found a like-minded community in um, kind of the nightlife of Christopher Street in New York. Okay. Um, she actually came up with her name, Marsha P. Johnson, after she chose, uh, well, she chose Johnson because she enjoyed hanging out at the popular eatery Howard Johnson's. And the P reportedly stands for pay it no mind, a flippant <laughs> saying she used to dismiss antagonists with. Oh, love that. Marsha, pay it no mind, Johnson. Pay it no mind. I love it. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, uh, well, yeah, I mean, she basically was one of the faces of the queer revolution. Um, she would frequent, so in her, her 20s, she would frequent this gay bar called Stonewall. And this is, at the time, apparently it was illegal for anybody to dress in drag because this was like in the 60s. I believe even gay clubs were, or homosexuality in general. Yeah. If homosexuality itself wasn't illegal, the establishments were, I believe, illegal, yeah. So, of course, the the police would come and like hassle the the patrons very Mm -hmm. frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I think one night the police returned to Stonewall Inn for the second time in two days. Um, and according to Marsha, um, the police had forced her and others out onto the street to line up, be frisked um, the night before, and then return the night the next night and set this stone wall in on fire, I guess. Um, so that kind of started like the um, the movement, like the gay rights movement. And uh, oh, I just lost my spot. Hmm. Hold on. There's a, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of excellent podcasts out there. Um, I, th- I think there's a movie made recently that apparently wasn't very good about Stonewall. But uh, yeah, if you guys are interested, I've I've heard a couple of pieces about the Stonewall riots. Mm, mm-hmm. It's an incredible story. Of yeah. Just this group of people getting sick and tired of getting beat up for who they are, and they fought yeah. back. It's incredible. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. phenomenal story. Yeah, they were basically yeah, like you said, fed up. Yep. Um, yeah, she was a transgender woman, um, so a huge activist in the LGBTQ movement um, who was allegedly murdered, but it was reported as a suicide in what was it? July 6th of 1992. She, her body was found um, in a river Jeez. right next to the Christopher, what did I say, Christopher Street, Christopher Avenue. Uh, was, was Marsha a woman of color? She was. Okay. Yep. Which, I mean... That's terrible, but I mean that that 
matches with statistics. I mean, I'm sure, especially back then, but mm-hmm. uh, transgender people of color are just so at risk for violence. It's it's horrifying. Well, and it's uh, the the more that this documentary went into like uh, so friends and her fans, family members, they didn't believe that she committed suicide. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, I feel like with any transgender person that has gone missing, which apparently were a lot of them, mm-hmm. um, the police just kind of wrote it off like, yeah. oh, well, she's they're just gone. I believe you know? they were referred to as the less dead back then. The, oh, really? Yeah, the idea that these people who, quote unquote, not quote unquote, but, you know, more or less, they led those types of lifestyles is the idea is they were begging for this trouble and they got it. So the police didn't want to waste their time, which is terrible, yeah, which is, which is, uh, young people that they just threw off as uh, runaways, uh, especially yeah. again, young people of color, transgender people, sex workers. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they well, were, they were the less dead. I, I, I hope I'm getting that term right. I think it's somewhere in like that. So, and this is what was sad is that, so, okay. Marsha and her friend Sylvia, um, were, really like really good friends and they were both really um active in um basically helping the youth who were thrown out of their homes or mm-hmm. runaways mm-hmm. because they would find a lot of them you know they felt they weren't loved so they'd go homeless and they're living on the streets and then they would turn to um uh sex working or drugs or you know and then sometimes they would commit suicide mm-hmm. Um, so they actually started um, this thing called STAR. So it stands for um, Street Transvestites Action Revolutionaries. Um, and it's basically they had something called the STAR House to help keep the kids off the street. So they would clothe them, feed them, house them, um, and advocate for transgender youth um, on the Lower East Side of, of New York. And so they wa- they basically wanted to speak up for transgender people. Um, so I guess it was basically, Marsha said, oh, you know, um, Sylvia is the one that kind of started this and I'm kind of her VP, you know, I'm, I'm there with her, but, uh, gave her a bunch of credit for it. And Sylvia is an amazing, wasn't an amazing person too. You know, they kind of go into her story a little bit too. And she was very vocal and like, she kind of felt when the, the, the gay, um, movement started that as soon as what she called it was like, as soon as like almost like the middle class white people got um, the right to marry. Mm -hmm. It's like they didn't care about anything else or anybody else. Even when they did like um, gay pride marches, Mm -hmm. she's like, we should have been the forefront, the transgender people, but instead we're snuffed in the back, even though we started this movement. Yeah. So she, she felt like they were just, you know, I guess shuffling them under the rug or, okay. Um, didn't feel like they really cared about, you know, the, the transgender people that are on the street. And, you know, she's out there talking to all these people, they're writing in, um, you know, she's doing the legwork and, you know, because other people are more privileged and they, they got what they wanted out of it. Then they're like, Oh, you know, they just didn't think about anybody else Done with in that movement. community. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was really sad, you know, to know that, it, well, it just kind of opened your eyes too that even within the LGBTQ community, there's still like, I don't know what the word is, issues that not all yeah. people help with, I guess. 
Well, and I, I'm, I imagine that is a, an issue with most, uh, subsects of a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even in the, my understanding, even in the Afri- African American community, there can be uh, tension between darker skinned people, lighter skinned people, mm-hmm. you know, in the LGBTQ community, I'm sure, you know, uh, the, the struggle for people that are transgender is, is not the same, uh, as, as just homosexuals, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think that's incredibly uncommon, but it is, you know, it's fascinating yeah. to learn that. Um, I mean, and Sylvia was, uh, so big that I think it was, uh, I want to say one of the bigger marches in like the seventies, um, She'd waited all day to get up on stage and, and to talk to everybody who was there. And as soon as she stepped on stage, I think it was due to her being transgender. Everyone started like booing her off the stage, like automatically. I'm sure there's more to the story, but the way that they portrayed it was like... Out of gay rights? Yeah. So they, they booed her as soon as... Before she even started talking. And Did then... Any idea when that was? In the 70s. Huh. I guess I don't know what... I'm sure that maybe there was something leading up to that yeah. that maybe I, either I missed or I don't know, but um, yeah. And she she basically voiced her opinion with you know all of you guys have gotten what you wanted and mm-hmm. now you're just shunning everybody else who need your help desperately. Like yeah, yeah. You need to come out here and and help us. You know. Yeah. Um, but I guess she had said that she tried taking her own uh, life that night, and mm-hmm. Marsha found her and and took her in. She's like, you know, I got sixty stitches in my arm. You know, I could have been been dead because I felt like nobody cared. And, yeah. you know, that was she just felt really shunned, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of violence against transgender back then. And I'm sure still is. Still is. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Marsha had kind of thought that there was dirty cops who just didn't like transgender people, you know, that we had talked about. Um her and some other friends would occasionally get taken in uh, to the police station and questioned. Cops would say things, you know, really crude things like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, let's just, you know, toss him in the water. And other cops would joke and be like, oh, she's too skinny. You know, she would just float. She wouldn't sink to the bottom and, mm-hmm. you know, crap like that. And um, so they would harass them. They'd punch them. Allegedly, Marsha uh, was apparently being followed by two men the day before she went missing. Or, well, I guess the day before they found her in the, the river mm-hmm. um, that someone had witnessed and s- said that they had seen her super early th- the morning of the 5th, like 4, 4 a.m. or something. And sh- they said that, you know, she just looked terrified um, and s- had something about two men following her. Jeez. And then, of course, like 24 hours later, they find her body in the in the river. Um, but during the... Uh, there's a, a woman in the documentary named Victoria who is part of, oh gosh, what was it called? Um, Anti-Violence Project mm-hmm. is um, what she was a part of. So she wanted to kind of reopen the case before she retired of, of Marsha um, to see if she can help solve what happened to her. Because mm-hmm. um, there was just certain things in her case that just didn't really make sense. Yeah. And um you know, like I said, the, the police just kind of wrote it off like, oh, you know, it could have been an accidental suicide or not accidental suicide, but just like an accidental. She could have, you know, been scared and then ran to uh, this area that I think they showed like big holes in the wood on the ground that she could have fallen through and, you know, 
drowned. Um, so it's still an open case. They reopened it in 2012. Mm. Um, but she seemed like such a great person. I mean, everybody adored her that they interviewed, you know, and, uh, Victoria, um, was digging up a bunch of stuff and she would interview like Marsha's old roommate. And I guess he was, um, there was a, a big festival that would go on annually that he said that the, the mob would kind of put on like the money from the mob would fund it. Mm. Um, and so then any money that was made during the festival, uh, would kind of go back to the mob instead of helping out the LGBTQ oh, wow. community. Huh. Um, so he's like, he, his whole thing was let's take it back from them yeah. and we'll do this ourselves. So we know that that money goes to the right people. Um, so Victoria or, you know, just had people basically said that they thought the mob was, um, involved in Marsha's death. And, uh, again, there's really no evidence for this besides what people are saying, you know, yeah. hearsay, but, uh, um, uh, what was it? Oh, but yeah, something about like, uh, they thought that Marsha was really scared of the mob for some reason. Um, oh, I would be, I mean, Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, uh, maybe that's, she thought that because maybe she had heard a rumor that the mob was trying to find her roommate, that she didn't feel safe going home that night, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe why she might've stayed out all night and then died. Yeah. Um, so the, the roommate kind of didn't realize that that could have been a possibility. And so he felt like, oh, you know, that would have been my fault if that is true. And, you know, uh, but yeah, really, really fascinating story and just brings to light that, you know, this type of person that will be unapologetically themselves, mm-hmm. you know, you just get so run down by people, the way that they treat you that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do something about it. And then you create this huge movement and that is still going on now and helping to liberate people. Um, and then to die at kind of a a young age. I don't remember how old she was. I think she was pretty young. Hmm. Um, well, something you said that stood out to me is when she uh, was helping her friend, uh, geez, I already forgot her name. Um, Sylvia, Sylvia. Yeah. And showed her like, got, so many stitches in my arm because you know i tried to end my life but uh you know i i came back from it and you will too i mean that that's an incredible spirit Mm -hmm. and and will to not only not only survive but thrive Mm -hmm. i I think uh the newest queer eye for the straight guy series newest queer eye like Mm -hmm. i think they talked about in the the queer eye show that came out in the early 2000s they were looking for Oh, what was it? Tolerance. They wanted tolerance, but now they're looking for acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's to not only exist and be tolerated mm-hmm. for being different, but to live out loud the the person that you are, and say you know, accept me or pay you no mind. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I, I, I could never I mean, do that, that. That takes so much courage. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, people would say she would just, you'd just be excited to see what she would wear, mm. you know, just, and she was a performer, even though her family said she couldn't sing 
for crap, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But she just, she loved people. And she, if somebody came up to her and would say like, oh, I love that scarf. She's like, oh, here, take it. You know, like she's just always giving stuff away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like um, Victoria, the, the gal that was investigating it, she had said, you know, some people would say like days or weeks before um, they found her body that she was giving away some of her stuff, but which some people chalk it up to a lot of the times that's what people who are suicidal will do is give away a bunch of their stuff and and then take their life. And um, she's like, but that's just the type of person that she was, you know, she would give you anything off her back Mm. if you loved it or, you know, she, she liked you or knew that you'd love it. Um, so it just, it was a very inspiring story to hear about her and, um, and she was beautiful. I mean, this yeah. gorgeous smile and full of life and, um, just very sad, um, you know, end of her life. But, uh, I mean, you, you hope it was just an accident, you know, but I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll be able to find out some more. Yeah. Um, if there's justice to be found, hopefully it's found. But yeah. Regardless, doesn't take away from what appears to be an incredible life, mm-hmm. an important, important life. Right. You know, and shedding so. light on more so the um, community that are homeless because they nobody wants to hire them when they find out that they're a transgender mm-hmm. or you know like a lot of them were on welfare because yeah. they can't afford a place and. Um, you know, Sylvia was, was on the street and she had her home right by the, the pier. Um, and I think it was raided by the, the police and they called it a sweep. They were, you know, basically moving out all the homeless people that were living there. And, um, you know, that was really hard for her, but then she ended up, you know, being like this huge influence for the gay community. And, you know, they sent her to Rome, Italy for their big gay pride festival. And she spoke there and, she ended up getting married and I guess she, she died very young at the age of 50 from, I think, liver cancer. Um, but you know, she was able to kind of get back up on her feet and like helped out a a church that she was a part of and just felt like she was really giving back to the community. And Mm. I'm just, I'm always in awe of people that do that, you know, to have that much passion to just keep at it no matter what life kicks you down for you know what I mean goes to show you just you gotta never give up yeah you know yeah it was absolutely amazing yeah. so yeah thanks for giving me that assignment that That's was great. really cool to yeah. to read up on and and watch that documentary so fantastic job yeah if I can uh I, I've got to have you listen to something about Stonewall because mm-hmm. I think you'd you'd love it yeah it, it's sounded like you were kind of you didn't know it do you know much about Stonewall I didn't want to just assume. no just that it was a gay bar that she would okay. attend yeah Stonewall riots or a uh, very fascinating mm-hmm. story. So yeah, crazy. Great job, honey. Thanks, honey. Yeah, I forgot what I gave you this week. Oh, there was two things. Yeah. Well, I kind of called an audible. <laughs> um, you wanted to. You gave me just kind of notable uh, mixed race couples. Oh, yeah, like the first, history. the first mixed race yeah. couple. Which, yeah, I didn't really look for the first. But I found some interesting ones, and I did. Okay. I did look into Sally Hemings, uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson's slave that he oh, had yeah. uh, multiple children with. Um, so, I'll talk about Sally Hemings briefly. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I didn't find as much on her as I wanted to, mm. which I'll talk about. Okay. Uh, so most of, pretty much all this information I got from Monticello.org. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's a, uh, what uh, you do in my ditch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, might be a research collective. I don't know. Um, maybe a muse. I think it's a museum cause they said it was closed due to, to poor weather. Mm. Um, but yeah, they have specific information about Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. Okay. Um, so years after Thomas, Je- or I'll just, Years after his wife's death, Thomas Jefferson fathered at least six of Sally Hemings' children. Wow. Four survived to adulthood and are mentioned in Jefferson's plantation records. Beverly, Harriet, Madison, and I believe it's Eston Hemings. Sally Hemings worked for two and a half years from 1787 to 1789 in Paris as a domestic servant and maid in Jefferson's household. While in Paris, where she was free, she negotiated with Jefferson to return uh, to enslavement at Monticello in exchange for extraordinary privileges for herself and freedom for her unborn children. Decades later, Jefferson freed all of Sally Hemings' children. Beverly and Harriet left Monticello in the early 1820s. Madison and Eston were freed in his will and left Monticello in 1826. Jefferson did not grant freedom to any other enslaved family unit. Hmm. So just his his significant others, significant other and children. Okay. Um, the claim that Tof- Thomas Jefferson fathered children with Sally Hemings, an enslaved woman at Monticello, entered the public arena during Jefferson's first term as president, and it has remained a subject of discussion and disagreement for two centuries, based on documentary scientific. Uh, statistical and oral, you know, sorry, I'm going to move this hmm. bad eyesight. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. Uh, based on documentary, scientific, statistical, and oral history evidence, the Thomas Jefferson Foundation Research Committee report on Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings remains the most comprehensive analysis of this historical topic. And, uh, there was a bunch of information on that about Thomas Jefferson, but I, I didn't want to read that. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about Thomas. We're talking about Sally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the following summarizes what is known about Sally Hemings and her family. Sally Hemings, uh, was born in 1773, passed away in 1835. Uh, she was an enslaved woman at Monticello. She lived in Paris with Jefferson and two of his daughters from 1787 to 1789, and she had at least six children. Sally Hemings' duties included being a nursemaid companion to Thomas Jefferson's daughter, Maria, uh, ladies' maid to daughters, Martha and Maria, and chambermaid and seamstress. There are no known images of Sally Hemings and only four known descriptions of her appearance or demeanor. Hmm. Sally Hemings left no written accounts. It is not known if she was literate. So that was, at first I was like, well, did they not talk about her? Because it was, you know, Thomas Jefferson's, you know, nasty little secret. But apparently she very well may have not been literate, so couldn't write her own accounts. Would have been incredible if she... Is it fair to say that he he basically raped her because she was? I have no idea about that. Him. I have no idea. I mean, the fact that she seemed to have worked out a situation with him, wherein even when she was still enslaved in Monticello, she got extremely good privileges, or, or, or she she was, I guess, privileged as much as a slave can be. I mean, that was I, a smart. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. I think it might have been a little more 
cooperation than that. But I, I can't speak to it one way or the other. Almost like she, um, yeah, like you said, just kind of made a deal with him, knowing that that's probably going to happen regardless. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't extramarital. Thomas Jefferson's wife had already passed, so maybe they just formed a connection. I, I hope. You ho- yeah. Of course, I hope there. Right. That it wasn't a forced situation. Right. Um, uh, in the few scattered references to Sally Hemings in Thomas Jefferson's records and correspondence, there is nothing dis- to distinguish her from other members of her family. Thomas Jefferson was at Monticello at the likely conception times of Sally Hemings' six known children. There are no records suggesting that she was elsewhere at these times or records of any births at times that would exclude Jefferson paternity. So a uh, bunch of uh, Thomas Jefferson's family vehemently fought the claims that he fathered children with Sally Hemming. Mm. I'm sure because it was very taboo. Right. Um, but everything appears to line up to say that, no, he was in fact the father of these six children. Okay. Yep. Um, Sally Hemming's children were light skinned and three of them, Daughter Harriet and sons Beverly and Eston lived as members of white society as adults. Hmm. According to contemporary accounts, some of Sally Hemings' children strongly resembled resembled Thomas Jefferson. I got to start doing uh, vocal warm ups before right. the lips, <laughs> the teeth, the tongue. The, I, don't know, I don't know what it is. Uh, Thomas Jefferson freed all of Sammy Hem- Sally Hemings' children. Beverly and Harriet were. Oh, okay. We'll keep moving on. Thomas Jefferson did not free Sally Hemings. She was permitted to leave Monticello by his daughter, Martha Jefferson Randolph, not long after Jefferson's death in 1826 and went to live with her sons, Madison and Eston, in Charlottesville. Several people close to Thomas Jefferson or the Monticello community believe that he was the father of Sally Hemings' children. Um, I think we got just a bit uh questions remain about the nature of the relationship that existed between thomas jefferson and sally hemmings Mm -hmm. whether she had a child at monticello shortly after they returned from france in 1789 and whether there is anything to connect jefferson hemmings and thomas woodson uh i wonder Uh, we'll forget that yeah (laughs) (laughs) um okay and then i wanted to look into some other quote-unquote notable uh, mixed race relations in history and I found this piece, uh, Interracial Couples That Changed History by Pete Corson. And this was published in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, so I just picked three. I think there was maybe six or eight. Oh, wow. I picked the ones that I liked. Mm-hmm. Some selfish man. <laughs> so first one is Fredris, Frederick Douglass and Helen Pitts. They were married in 1884. Frederick Douglass was a former slave who became the leader of the abolitionist movement. In 1884, he was 66 years old and widowed, an elder statesman who held the post of District of Columbia's Recorder of Deeds. Helen Pitts was 46, a white suffragist writer and publisher who worked as a clerk in Douglas's office. Uh, She helped Douglas write his autobiography. Uh, Douglas spent a year in depression over the death of his first wife, Anna, in 1882. When he and Pitts married, the new couple was met with a firestorm of criticism within Washington society and the local press. Their families weren't much better. Douglas's children felt betrayed, and his daughter-in-law even sued him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Pitts' family were abolitionists who admired Douglas, but some family members couldn't bring themselves to accept him. 
The couple's closest friends stood by them, however. Pitts remarked, Love came to me, and I was not afraid to marry the man I loved because of his color. Douglas had a cheeky response to the controversy. This proves I am impartial. My first wife was the color of my mother, and the second the color of my father. That's pretty funny. <laughs> the couple were together for 11 years until Douglas's death in 1895. Pitts, against the wishes of Douglas's children, turned his home into a museum and created the Frederick, Frederick Douglas Memorial and Historical Association, and she passed in 1903. Mm. Yeah, so I thought that one was fascinating because it was just really early on 1884 you know yeah um this uh, this next one is i like a lot uh this is the marriage of jack johnson and etta terry duryea maybe okay correct me y'all come at Mm. me they were married in 1911 jack johnson the galveston giant was the first black world heavyweight boxing champion he ignored the jim crow customs of the time and lived as ostentatiously as he pleased that included keeping several girlfriends at the same time, some of whom were prostitutes, hmm. sex workers. In 1911, he was 32, 32 years old and was world famous for winning the fight of the century. Duryea was a glamorous Brooklyn socialite who was 28 years old. In 1927, in a 1927 autobiography, Johnson said that the early relationships with black women caused him to forswear colored women and to determine that my lot henceforth would be cast only with white women. Hmm. Okay. Bold. He began dating Duryea in 1909 while juggling relationships with other two other white women. According to the Ken Burns documentary, Unforgivable Blackness, Duryea expected fidelity from Johnson, and Johnson became suspicious of Duryea in return. Their relationship was abusive, and Johnson once beat Duryea so badly that she was hospitalized. Oh. One month later, the couple married in secret. Oh, my God. Whoa. Uh, so this That's is where it comes around. out that I didn't read this entire piece. <laughs> this is a, what a twist. Yeah, We're all right. in this together. Okay. One month later, the couple married in secret. As news of the marriage spread, Duryea became isolated and depressed. She took... Oh, my God. I should have read this. Mm. She took her own life in 1912. Johnson would remarry twice, both times to white women. Lucille Cameron and Irene Pinot. Cameron, who married Johnson only months after Duryea's suicide, stuck with Johnson for 12 years. Months after? Months. Boy. I mean, I guess if that was one of the girls on the side. Yeah. But... Ugh. This got dark. I apologize. Yeah, you, this is one of your favorites. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> During that time, Johnson was repeatedly charged under the Mann Act, which made it illegal to cross state lines with a woman for immoral purpose. The law was often used to harass uh, consensual interracial couples. Huh. Yeah, I knew a little bit about the Mann Act. I never heard of the Mann Act. Yeah. Again, used basically if yeah the. the so you can't con- cross state borders to see your love if they're not for the same. yeah immoral purpose so you can't have a booty call uh to cross straight lines with a woman oh with a woman yeah okay. so i mean i would imagine that if any black man is riding in a car with a white woman across state lines any bigoted cop could mm, just say yeah. like oh well this is against the man act mm-hmm Oof. Uh, he and Cameron fled the country and lived in exile, and Johnson eventually served time in federal prison. 
They divorced in 1924. Boy, federal prison for the Man Act, but not driving his beating the shit out of his wife. Jeez. They divorced in 1924. Pinot stayed with Johnson for 21 years until his death in 1946. She said, I loved him because of his courage. He faced the world unafraid. There wasn't anybody or anything that he feared. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. They can, I mean, it's real life. They can't all be fairy tales. We will get to a fairy tale, though. Okay. I promise. I hope so. Okay. I mean, this is Valentine's Day after yeah. all. <laughs> right. That, I feel like, yeah, that, that one is the do not what he does. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So now we've got Josephine Baker, and I believe it's uh, Jean Leon. Um, mm, okay. That's a guess. They were married in 1937. Baker was the iconic Jazz Age entertainer and civil rights activist who became a French resistance agent. Love that. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. In the 1930s, she was one of the most famous entertainers in the world and preferred to live in Paris, the city that embraced her. She had been married twice in the United States before her career took off in Europe. Jean Leon was a Jewish-French industrialist who was presumably responsible for one of the 15,000 marriage proposals that Baker claimed she received at this time in her life. What? Girl, you, you can't jo- count that Josephine. much. Josephine. <laughs> that was 15,000, not 15,000, yeah. I, I messed that up a lot. She claims that there was 15,000 proposals. Josephine was the shit. She was an entertainer, a civil rights activist, and she was a French resistance agent. I get that. If and I I'm sure that she had a lot of people, you know, wooing after her, but... Oh, she was getting wooed. To, I mean, how can you count... Oh my God, are you jealous? I know. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, if I'm having flooding amounts of people proposing... Yeah. How would you count that? Oh, whatever. If she fluffed the numbers a little bit, we'll forgive her. Really? There was like three and she's like, oh, 15,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'll not have you besperge the good Just name kidding. of Josephine Baker. I'm sure it was like 10. Okay. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Just because you only got one marriage proposal. <laughs> that you know of. Oh my <gasps> good. Just kidding. <laughs> Who was he or she? As cash. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> as popular as Baker was in Europe, she was becoming increasingly frustrated by the racism she encountered while on tours of the U.S. After a poor reception to a run on Broadway in 1936, some reviews were overtly racist. Ooh. Yeah. Baker returned to Paris for good. Can't blame her. Nope. The next year, she married Leon, thus becoming a legal French citizen. She also renounced her American citizenship at that time. Mm. During the Nazi occupation of France, Baker and Leon were separated but remained married. Baker hid war refugees uh, at her home and conducted spy activities for the resistance. At a girl. Yeah. Wow. Despite being the black wife of a Jewish man, she used her considerable charm to deflect the suspicion of German officers. All right. In 1947, Baker married the white French composer, oh boy, Joe Bouillon. Unable to have children, the couple adopted 12 children of varying ethnicity. Wow. Yeah. Baker called them the Rainbow Tribe. Oh, that's cute. And over the next two decades, heavily promoted them to a fault as symbols of racial unity. I could see how that could be problematic if you mm-hmm. push a little too hard. She and Bouillon divorced in 1961, and some of the children eventually lived with him. Baker died in 1975. Okay. I, I probably one, proposed to her, too. Yeah. I mean, that's that, a badass woman that right That one was better. That one was better than the previous <laughs> one. All right. And this is the proper fairy tale, in my opinion. Mm. This is Mildred and Richard Loving. Okay. Married in 1958. 
Mildred Jeter was of mixed black, white, and Native American ancestry. She identified as Native American. Richard Loving was a white construction worker. That's, that was it. I mean, that's not it, but like, oh, okay. it's just, it's cool that we, you know, one was a, a boxer who was a bad human being and, you know, one was the leader of the abolitionist movement and now we just got a white construction worker and a nice lady named Mildred. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Mildred and Richard lived in a small Virginia community with a history of relaxed race relations. The couple first met while they were students in separate segregated schools. Mildred and Richard got married at the age of 18 and 24, respectively, hmm. in nearby Washington to skirt Virginia's Racial Integrity Act, which banned mixed-race marriages. Despite having a legal marriage license, the couple was arrested and forced to leave Virginia. Hmm. They moved to Washington and had three children, but eventually moved back to Virginia in defiance of the law. Hell yeah. With the help of the ACLU, the couple challenged the Virginia law, which was unanim- unanimously overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1967. Despite their place in history, the couple avoided the spotlight and rarely gave interviews. Richard died in an automobile accident in 1975, and Mildred died in 2008. Their story has been dramatized several times, including the 2016 film Loving. Hmm. Yeah, we should watch that. Yeah, we should. I, I think I know of that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've yeah. heard of it. Uh, yeah, again, I, I think but we I, should watch it. Yeah. yeah, I think I've heard of it, but uh, could be fibbing. Um, another article that I found that I just kind of had fun scrolling through. Um, it's it's a little more like uh, Perez Hiltony. Like, oh, oh, look at these celebrities. They're oh, interracial geez. too, but it's it's fine. Okay. It was on this uh, website, familyminded.com. Which makes me a little nervous if it's like family first, anti-gay stuff. But mm-hmm. nothing in the article suggested that. Uh, biracial celebrity couples who are inspiring. And it's it's a fun one. If you guys have a chance, go check it out. Um, it just talks about some famous biracial couples and kind of pulls quotes from their interviews about their love or, you know, what it's like being in a racial couple, how they're... Uh, communities they grew up in reacted to it it's mm-hmm. it's it's real good yeah nice yeah it's fantastic love it mm-hmm. great job honey oh thank you <laughs> i feel a little bad that i like oh it's my favorite one and then i totally <laughs> show that i didn't didn't read far enough <laughs> bad abuse stuff yeah you know what it's gonna happen yeah exactly yep uh well do you oh no we can't go into spoilers yet no well, we've got to do, gosh, do we do rap first and then next week's? Yeah, we must. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that, guys. Been doing this for a while. We know what we're doing. I've got the music if you've got my words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not, uh, <laughs> you're not making your wife say the P word. Yeah, uh. I, <laughs> I don't think I am. Yeah, so there are some words that you want to. Avoid. Okay. Maybe say fellas. Oh, no. Sorry. All right. I get it. All right. Fellas. Read as much as you want. <laughs> as much or as little as you want. All right. From the top, I'm guessing. From the top. You know you mm, want a bitch like me. Apple bottoms with the wife beater. Mm. Rockin' Nikes 
all the mm in the hood want to call her wifey. If you got a pretty dollar, then I'll probably might be. You mm popping collars while your bitches popping peas. <laughs> Excuse me, bitches pop peas. Mm. I'm gonna do it for my riders. They get down and pop E. Think you can pop me? Man, you need to stop, please. Mm. Catch me flying through your hood in a drop top V. I'm in the pop top three, and my pop's got G's. Don't know what that means. Say the watch got chili. And the rocks got freaked. <laughs> what? Chili? Say the watch got chilly mm. and the rocks got freeze. t boss yeah. Lisa left eye. And you broads act silly. Gonna jack my steam. Mm. We're slipping on your bippin' ma. Mm. And your boy chose me. Ah. Now he holla- hollin'? Hey, little mama. Can you give me a sec? I got a little something. Something. About as big as your leg. Oh. Dis mm yawning mm. while he talking. So I knew he was wed. What? And about like six in the morning, he forgot what he said. And I was, I was getting some mm. Getting, getting some mm. Oh, well, don't. You're you really want me to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can stop. You can stop. You can stop. <laughs> okay. We're talking about chilies. We're talking about Bop and Ma. Some of those lyrics didn't make any sense to yeah. me. Yeah. And was there a Bip and Ma? Wasn't he like Bip a? Bip and Ma. Wasn't he a Chinese dictator? I don't Bip know. And Ma? That might be racist. I apologize. What was the? Oh man. It, it, okay, it was pop peas. Yeah. I thought you just didn't want to say pussy. No, yeah. It, it was pop really pop peas. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then poppy, that makes sense. Boy. That was a weird one. <laughs> was weird. We were talking about eating chili earlier today, so that made me hungry again. Oh my gosh. So funny. Anybody else, when it's cold out, you just want to pop peas, poppy, <laughs> and eat some chili? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my Delicious. gosh. Um, so, what have you got for me next week? I did want to say there was another one that I was going to have you read, but I couldn't get through a single line of it without being like, no, that's... That's way too much. That's, that's too nasty. It was... <laughs> there is... Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Looking out for you. Uh, what have you got for me next week? Yes. I got to open up my computer because I cannot remember the name. And I don't want to mess it up because this person sounds incredible. Um, I actually talked to you about this person earlier this week, I think. Okay. I, I didn't want to forget it because it was so uh, cool. I'd never heard of this person. Mansa Musa. That's a fun name. It's a great name. Mansa Musa? Yeah. M-A-N-S-A-M-U-S-A. Mansa Musa. Cool. AKA King Mansa Musa. Love it. Yeah. I feel like we've been dealing with a lot of kind of more contemporary mm-hmm. um, black history. So I wanted to go way back. Yeah. That's fun. Going back in the way back machine. Well, I've got for you Annie Lee Cooper. Annie Lee Cooper. Apparently, Oprah played her in Selma. Oh. So you could probably just watch Selma and get some good good info. I never saw Selma. I'd love to watch it. I haven't that. either. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. Hell yeah. Annie Lee Cooper. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. 
Ah, uh, man. Well, I think we could uh, bid adieu to our people who don't watch the yeah. stand and yep. to people that don't care about the stand WandaVision. or WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It has been a pleasure as always. Mm-hmm. Earlier this week, wife, you talked about having a more like a like a a, a sign off, a proper sign off. Yeah. We still don't have it. No, we don't. We've been talking about that for episodes. All we got is don't be a Richard, but we need something more. Yeah. I did want to let everybody know I'm going to actually start numbering the episodes. There you go. I realized Smart. I was looking yeah. at the episode list. I was like, I always prefer when podcasts number them. Yeah, same. So I'm going to start doing that for yeah. you guys. I love yeah. you guys. We love you. You deserve to know which number episode it is. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So so that way when you are subscribed, that new you know number will yeah. pop up on your phone. Yeah, guys, please like, comment, subscribe. We'd love it. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know what else. I don't know how to like self promote. Do that. Mm. Do that now. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please do that now. No. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Yeah, thank you all so much. Have an excellent week. A fantastic weekend. Rest of your weekend. Mm-hmm. Have a just a lovely and if you're old enough, a sexy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. We should have done something fun for Valentine's Day, but now it's a little too late. Well, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Well, no, I mean like on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could like have him hear us kiss. No, that's weird. (laughs) Gross. Nobody wants to hear that. But uh, yeah, if, if, uh, you know, treat your significant other. If you can't do that, treat yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, take care of yourself. Take care of your friends, your family, your loved ones. Take care of your community because that's all we got. Yep. Look out for one another. Be kind. Goddamn world. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting mad at the end. All right. Thanks again, guys. If you're not sticking around for Vision, WandaVision, then bye-bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you so much, bye. So WandaVision. Okay, yes. Yeah, let's uh, Well, do you want to talk about that first or the you stand? You know, actually, let's get into the stand. We we didn't do like a major recap on the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody like just kind of catching in, uh, the season finale episode just aired. Um, and... I, I really liked it, but I don't want there to be sequels. Yeah. Like I don't want them to make season two of the stand. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was a really excellent, it it was a really, really good standalone Mm -hmm. and I wanted to stay that way. Yeah. And I feel like it probably could have done, it it could go either way. Yeah. It could have just ended right there or, you know, it definitely had an opening for a second season if they wanted. Yeah. I know that CBS... CBS All Access just rebranded to Paramount Plus. So my understanding is that might not be a good sign that they're mm. already rebranding. So, I mean, it's even a possibility that even if they wanted to do a second season, that uh, streaming platform could be going the way of uh, Quibi, and oh. Pookie, and whatever the hell <laughs> other crazy streaming services are out there. Right. Or were out there. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see, but... Uh, I like that it was a, oh, who's the sexy guy from True Blood? Oh, Skarsgård. Yeah. It's the not hell? Stellan. There's so many of them. I and don't remember his first Anyways, name. Hunky Skarsgård, like mm-hmm. this episode was a little heavier on him or at least a section of it was. Yeah. Uh, which I dug. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I could have used a lot more Randall Flagg. Yeah. I, th- I thought they were done with him over for the show, but that yeah. was kind of a fun little yeah, uh, from my understanding of the end of the stand, like the book, is that 
like the nuclear blast explodes in Las Vegas, but like Randall Flag rises and kind of keeps going. So it's kind of a kind of a bummer of an ending, maybe. Well, I found it interesting that he changed his name at the ending too. Yeah, I don't remember what Russell he something. Yeah, I mean, they did talk about in the show that he has many names. You know, he's oh, kind of a true. Lucifer, a, a yeah, Satan-like individual. So, um, well, isn't he supposed to be like the the son of the devil? The Antichrist, maybe. I thought that's what uh, Franny was saying. Like, oh, you know, or somebody, or maybe it was the old lady was like, oh, that's, mm. he's his father's son. Yeah, I I also believe that that person, Randall Flagg, actually shows up in a lot more of Stephen King's works. Mm, interesting, okay. Yeah, I, th- I think he's just kind of an eternal source of evil. Okay. Which I guess you could say, like... Yeah, Antichrist, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I thought that Franny had a really good line in it where she says, get thee behind me, you son of a bitch, or something like that, which I thought was a fun play on a biblical verse, but then like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good uh, last episode, I feel like. I want to watch the whole series again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an incredible ride throughout and I want to, because to be honest, I may be feeling a little underwhelmed by the finale, the yeah. the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. But that could just be that they built up something and it's hard to execute on. I mean, Stephen King has had difficulties executing on endings his entire career. Yeah. You know, um, not to, you know, he's an incredible author and very prolific. You know, I can barely write my name, uh-uh. but it's just a. Uh, Endings are hard, mm-hmm. and I feel like they did a pretty good job. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, all right. WandaVision, baby. Yes. Ooh, it's, it's just getting better and better, Mm-hmm. I think. I I liked how, how the episode before just made me consistently anxious the entire time, like especially right. starting off with the neighbor coming in and be like, you want me to do that again? Like obviously breaking kind of the fourth wall and it was just a really tense episode. This one like got a little bit back to the comedy stuff. Well, but here's a question about that real quick. Um, So the little instances where like the, you know, the neighbor's saying, do you want me to do that again? And then Agnes saying like, oh, I can come back like, or kind of questioned what she did there. So is that kind of their subconscious kind of coming into play a little bit then? I don't think so. I think that's it's it's not at all their subconscious. It is just how Wanda is consciously or unconsciously controlling all of them. It's just that coming out further. I think maybe uh whatever whatever is happening to control this town, it is sensing that things are starting to fall apart, so they break through that kind of veneer of the show and being like like in the in this last episode, um, oh the, the 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 big black guy, the neighbor, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, do you want me to do something? You want me to, you know, yeah. he basically said like, you know, what uh, you as the controller of this this reality that we're in, what do you want me to do? Right. Yeah. So I I don't think that's their original psyche breaking through. I think that's just. Yeah, maybe desperation of this reality that's controlled reaching out even harder and being like, how can we keep this going? That's the way I'm kind of interpreting it. Hmm, okay. Yeah. 
I guess my mind would be if she is, in fact, creating this whole reality, then there would be no need for that unless she's questioning herself. Which I think she absolutely is. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, her brother coming back, she's obviously struggling with it because... You know, she's she's not sure why she why Pietro doesn't look like her Pietro. Right. You know, and he's coming back and he's being uh, kind of an antagonistic force in Mm -hmm. this perfect world she was trying to create. Right. You know, and it was basically perfect until Monica Rambeau mentioned Pietro. Mm -hmm. And then how crazy that what in the next episode or the episode after. So maybe it's like her fighting with herself. Yeah, I did see a theory that maybe uh, Pietro isn't really who that is. Like maybe there is an outs- uh, an additional outside force that's creating this and not Wanda. Hmm. Maybe somebody's giving Wanda what she wants and making it seem like Wanda is creating all this when that's not potentially because not the case. Yeah, because she did say like she doesn't really remember how yeah. it happened or... Yeah. Or why just that she felt really alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Wanda breaking into that sword facility. I mean, granted, she, I mean, if we're to buy into the fact that she is so like grieving mm-hmm. so hard that her psyche is broken, and so she broke into a sword facility, stole Vision's body, you know, took all these people captive, created this world. Like mm-hmm. the more the show continues, the more I. I've got to untrain my comic book nerd brain mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, this is just like uh, House of M, mm-hmm. and they've they've done that. They've uh, uh, kind of dropped those hints leading up to the release of the show, so they want us. <laughs> now I sound like a conspiracy theorist. They <laughs> want us to think it's the deep state, it's the Marvel deep state. Uh, but yeah, I think they want us to really believe that Mar that Wand is doing this, but it seems to be coming more and more clear that she's not. She's well, if she's not, then I wonder what the reason for the antagonist to have this happen. I wonder, I don't know. Hmm. I'm so excited. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know, uh, Monica Rambeau, she mentioned that, uh, she has like an expert that can help her get back into this, get back into the, what do they call it? The, Oh, the jizz, the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, but I don't remember what they call I it. I don't remember either. Yeah. The gate. The, uh, I don't so, know. Yeah. But uh, um, so that's exciting. I think. Mm-hmm. So somebody mentioned, you know, with Marvel buying Fox, then maybe she's going to reach out to uh, Mr. Fantastic. Hmm. Maybe he's in this world. But I think what is more likely is that she's going to get Dr. Strange to help out. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think her and or him and, uh, Wanda to have similar powers. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got the time stone. Wanda's powers came from being around another one of the stones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that Wanda's going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, okay. So it makes sense to bring him into the show at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my guess. We'll see if I'm right. I'm usually yeah. not. Well, yeah. It's, it's fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, uh, when the intro started, uh, and it was kind of like the the fun kid, like I, I said, it reminded me of a uh, Clarissa explains it all. Totally. Apparently, uh, I I was watching an IGN review again. I like IGN's reviews of the uh, shows, and apparently that's more of an homage to Malcolm in the Middle. 
which of course it is. Totally. It looks totally Malcolm in the Middle-ish and uh, uh, even speaking into camera and the tracking shots of them speaking into camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it makes all the sense in the world. I, I do like that they're starting to give the kids powers that they didn't realize that they had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the, the Tommy and Billy, Tommy and Billy. Billy. Yeah. But, uh, the cool thing was one of them was dressed up like, uh, his costume when he gets older. Um, he becomes, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's warlock shit. I said it to you in the moment. You did. And I don't remember yeah, what you I can't said remember now, but, uh, the other one, I believe his superhero name is speed or speedster. Okay. And he actually gets his powers, mm-hmm. but it was cool to see the connection of both of them, mm-hmm. like to their, their future alter egos. Yeah. That yeah. was very, very cool. Yep. Um, yeah, another fantastic show. I hope Kat Dennings character is okay. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm curious to know what type of character she's going to play in this. Yeah. Or what's, I mean, what's going to happen because that whole sword facility when it got eclipsed into the bubble is now like a circus. Yeah. So what's she going to be? Cause she was chained to a car. Like, is she going to. That's a really great question. Yeah, they could have fun with that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I like that the helicopter turned into a blimp. Yeah. It's just Ugh. really, it's a really creative show. And so what, there's like five people that didn't get sucked in? Yeah, Monica Rambeau and um, Randall Park. I don't remember his character's name. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the lead sword guy and a couple of his lieutenants. I think that was about it. Right. Yeah, so... And uh, not too long ago, uh, oh, it was during the Super Bowl, a uh, new trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier came out. Mm-hmm. And besides the music being a little too much for me, I thought the trailer was awesome. You're excited it, for it. It really made me excited for it. I think, yeah, they've got an opportunity to build some more lore, like not in the kind of more fantastical realm mm-hmm. of what the MCU is doing. But, I mean, if it's if it's anything somewhat similar to uh uh captain america uh, the winter soldier Mm -hmm. i'm all in that's that's one of my favorite mcu films i don't know why i'm not the taylor or the trailer didn't suck me in really yeah yeah i mean i'm gonna give it a chance i'm gonna watch it but i just i'm not really excited for it what else are we gonna talk to each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah, and especially while watching WandaVision, it's so unique and weird. It and is, and I'm like, I, like you had said before, it's going to be hard to top, you know, with, you, yeah. I feel like I'll probably be disappointed with. Definitely could be, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's okay. I think we'll both be happy when What If comes out. At least I hope so. That's mm-hmm. the animated one where it's like, yeah, what if T'Challa oh, yeah, was yeah. taken instead of Star-Lord, mm-hmm. Peter Quill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, uh, Marvel zombies episode of that. I hope it's dark. I I think I'm repeating myself from last week, but yeah. Uh, I I guess three more episodes of WandaVision left. Okay. So I have no idea if they're going to try and do a two thousands era. We'll see. Or if they're just, they've gotten to the point now where they're going to really like, I mean, vision tried to escape, Mm -hmm. you know, and almost appeared to die or disintegrate again so maybe now (laughs) things have kind of gotten so bad that things are going to be breaking down too much to keep up that facade of like now it's king of queens or something yeah 
We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited regardless. They, they haven't let us down yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, I brought up to you. I wonder what's going to happen with Pietro because he mm-hmm. got, he got Wanda blasted into, right. a, into hay bales. So is he going to be around? Is he not? Is he going to be grumpy? I'd be grumpy. Yeah. But also he's being a dick. Yeah, and I think he knew that, too. I think he knew he was pushing buttons, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure she was just kind of, like, pushing him to the side, like, stop talking, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think that he's going to be hurt or anything, but I could be wrong. Yeah, guess we'll see. Yeah. Paul Bettany's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Him breaking through the wall and being like, save save the people inside, just Paul Bettany's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. It's actually getting a little late. Mm-hmm. I can feel that we're getting tired. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Faster bedtime. Well, if you hung out with us, um, you know, I was looking at our Yahoo uh, uh, web, uh, email. email. Jeez, how old am I? Our <laughs> Yahoo email. And like we haven't received anything since January, not even like junk mail. Or oh, that's weird. Stuff like that. So if you guys have a second, like send us an email that just says like, what's up nerds or something just so we know that it's working. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, did like, did they deactivate us and think we were bots or something? <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. If you have any, uh, impressions on WandaVision, you know, what you think is coming up in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we haven't brought up in a while, but if you have anything you want us to talk about, I would love to talk about it. Or if, Absolutely. Or if you have any recommendations for us, um, I'm, I've been a bad friend. Our, our buddy Mitch has given me a couple recommendations that I haven't acted on yet Uh-oh. that I need to, I know I gotta be a, I gotta be a better friend. Um, so, uh, please send them our way. Uh, and again, love you all very, very much mm-hmm. and, uh, Thanks take care of yourselves. Yeah. All right. Happy Valentine's day. Don't yeah. be a Richard. Hugs and kisses. Don't be, don't be a dick. Love you. Bye. Bye.